The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Feel it coming in the air. Yeah. And there's screams from everywhere. Yeah. I'm addicted to the thrill. I'm ready. It's a dangerous Stop. love affair. Can't be scared when it goes down. Got a problem, tell me Stop. now. Only thing that's on my mind is who goes this town tonight. Hey, welcome to Formula Sports Talk. We are live in the studio with Alex Clancy. We got Deborah Debris, yourclearedge.com. You can reach Alex at Clancy Corner, uh, Twitter or something, something like that. At <laughs> Clancy's uh, Corner. Yeah, you got to make a little sign and hold yeah. up for him. <laughs> nah. You know, when you care, you can remember. <laughs> and now I'm getting Alex hard <laughs> And we got a lot to talk about. We got to talk about the T-Bow mania. Uh, you know, if it's rightfully deserved that he gets all his praise. Mm-hmm. It's not like he's on the field by himself. Talk about the uh, RG, the third, the um, Heisman winner. Uh, was he the right winner mm. was he the right choice uh, a lot of baseball stuff i might have a call in today maybe um brian nelson um former major league baseball player he may call in but who knows he and julian spravy they just <laughs> they're on a different program and they want they they forgetting to be irrelevant they're going about to be irrelevant in a minute mm-hmm. uh junior has a world series ring at, and he's i never see him i told him to call me he hasn't called yet though yeah, dude what's got, up with that you know what? I don't know. I keep telling Junior, let's do some things together. There you go. I don't really need him, but I'm just trying, you know. <laughs> I, but, you know, he's a Maybe friend. that's part of the problem. You keep telling him that. But he's a friend. I tell anybody, I don't really need you. But whatever I'm going to do, I'm going to win and lose with me. So it's, it's just how it's going to be. But I don't mind helping people. I don't mind getting help. Right. Um, you know, I that's try to. That's the way to be. Yeah, I try to help my friends. All right. If you. Uh, for lack of a better word, but you know, Spivey, you know, he's on a different ball game. <laughs> and speaking of baseball, before we get to the T Bowl Mania, because that might be, you know, we got Clancy Corner in the second segment and the uh, Down and Dirty with Deborah, which is, oh, you want to talk about the Unshakable Foundation, which will be a bit about T Bowl as well as some others. I was going to say, they can go right into what T Bowl's doing. Yep. You got it. Uh, Brom tested positive. Mm-hmm. Milwaukee Brewers. After Ouch. winning the MVP, I mean, after giving the MVP trophy to him, because I don't think he won it. I really don't think he won it. And I think we argued about this, uh, Alex, about that he was the best player in the uh, National League. I don't think he was the best player on his team. I thought uh, Prince Fielder, if anybody was going to get it, probably with him. But you can make the case that the Milwaukee Brewers went further than the Los Angeles Dodgers. Right. But, I, again, it's on stats. It's not on what the team does. It's on what the individual does. And the team helps. You know, you got a lot of help around you, and that's why the Milwaukee Brewers were winning baseball games. But I don't think he should have won. That just taints everything about and brings it to political. And I go back to what Don King was doing in boxing. It was great fights where you just know the boxer won. Right. And at the end of the day, everybody would say, well, he just got Don King, which means he lost to promote another fight. But when you bring the politics into it, uh, it kind of messes up the award. Sure. I mean, and you got to think, 
Matt Kemp maybe was the most valuable player in the league, but he didn't help his team win enough games to get as far as Milwaukee, and that's why Ryan Braun won. I, th- I still think he's a better player than, than uh, Prince Fielder. He almost won the batting title of Jose Reyes when uh, when it tanked it after after getting a bunt single in the last game of the uh, last game of the season. He probably would have won it, which would have made this even worse. But I, I, I mean, I agree. I think Matt Kemp should have won, but they did make the playoffs and, and they got to the NLCS. And it was pretty much a no-brainer at that point. I don't think when they drew this out. I, I really don't believe when they drew this out. And we and we'll talk about the Heisman as well because there's been a lot of political stuff. There's with a that. problem with that too. Yeah, when they draw this out and say we're gonna get an MVP to the best player in the National League, the best player in American League, or maybe the best player in Major League Baseball, they didn't say you had to win every game. There have been some winners without having to win in seasons. But I don't, what makes this case different? I mean, and then this guy goes, uh, Ryan Brom goes and tested positive. He possibly missed 50 games. They may lose Prince Fielder. So the whole team is destroyed. Now, they did sign Armas uh, Ramirez. Ramirez to uh, <clears throat> back, excuse me, back for three years. But but why do you taint the, um, the award by giving it to somebody whose numbers were not even better than the guy in front of them? It's a tiebreaker. If they make the playoff, it's a tiebreaker. It's the MVP in parentheses right after that is to your team. And the team's the most important part, and if your team wins, then you'll get it more more times than not. The, the way Clayton Kershaw won the Cy Young was, it, it didn't make sense because his team didn't win. You know, I mean, it did because he was the best pitcher. They did exactly what team, you said, right. that he was the best pitcher, and even though his team didn't win, he won it. His team didn't win, so I, I mean, maybe it is a tiebreaker, but I, I would never I would never word it like that. I would never put it in a, a document that you can win the MVP if your team is winning, no, right? It's, a, yeah, right. it's yeah. an inherent tiebreaker. Yeah, but you know this guy. Maybe he's definitely the MVP on his team on the Milwaukee Brewers. Definitely, even though Prince Fielder built him out a lot of things as well as Brom put up numbers. But now these numbers are tainted because he's test, he tested uh, positive for steroids, and he said he didn't. Uh, there's a there's a test in the um, in the Major League Baseball because Major League Baseball started testing after all that nonsense that we all know what went on. Um, but if he had a prescription, that's one thing. They would have never even tested him for a certain steroid, a certain drug. But he didn't have a prescription, so when he did test him, he tested positive. So now the MVP or whatever numbers he put up uh, this far this year, it's all in question. And I still don't think he should have gotten an MVP, but it is what it is now. He, he they didn't say they say he edged out. Matt Kemp. He didn't edge out Matt Kemp. If uh, Matt Kemp would have won, Matt Kemp, it would have been Matt Kemp edged out Brom because his numbers were better. When you edge out somebody, your numbers are better than theirs mm-hmm. by a short margin. His numbers were not even better than Matt Kemp. Matt Kemp played for the Los Angeles Dodgers. They didn't win baseball games. Enough baseball games for him to win. Well, yeah. just the whole steroid part, you know, in and in and of itself is enough that you know that. It's like everybody else we've talked about in the past. When you have something like that come up, it follows you forever. It ends up being part of your legacy, which is a shame, and it ends up, you know, making everybody question the award from this point forward as to now what are the new rules? How are we going to look at it from now on? You know, do we test the guys before we even go to the ballots? You know, what are the new rules and regs around it? And the, I mean, it, it makes you question everybody because he's mm-hmm. he's a working man's player. He plays on a working man's team. Right. And, and this always, whenever I think of somebody else getting popped that shouldn't have, Manny Ramirez, fine. You knew he was going to get popped at some point. When Ryan Braun gets popped, it makes me look right at our pool holes. See, well, when you say uh, Manny Ramirez, when he, you knew he was going to get popped. Yeah. See, but that makes that he's okay. a crazy guy. Everybody's crazy. No, no, no. <laughs> but there's no. But uh, Ryan Braun was like a spokesman for the league. He was very quiet. All he did was perform. Nobody knew who he was unless you're a baseball fan, and that shows how 
just placid he is. He plays under his the radar. Game. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think every, I think everybody should be like that. Your talent speaks for itself, anyway. Whether that be good or bad talent. Now you knew he was going to get Pop Ramirez. Yeah. Okay. This this brings to my question. Maybe and Manny. When when a guy uh, just put out good numbers. Automatically, the uh, human nature we think he's on steroids. Mm-hmm. He, he didn't do that last year. What makes him doing this year? This year, well, he had all season workout. He trained. I, I refuse to believe that any guy that works out and trains with a trainer or or has this workout team. Or Deborah. Imagination, baby. No, well, no, they work out physically, but they won't fix their mind. And a lot of guys, and, and it is a lot of problem for um, a lot of guys who won't fix their mind because how do you let somebody fix a shake for you and give it to you as a trainer and you not know what it is? Or right. you just, he just say drink it and you drink it because this is your workout coach, this is your strength coach. Mm-hmm. Um, That's you, the thing. A gr- great friend of mine out of Dallas that works with some of the pros and stuff, I mean, she's a nutritional specialist and she is so into knowing exactly what's into any, any and every supplement that she gives the guy any energy drinks that they want to take or any energy bars that they want to take she'll research it to make sure that there's nothing in there that could possibly have them a test positive let me ask you guys a question is steroids bad in baseball is it bad or do you even care that the guys use it if anybody i guess it's unfair when when a certain few when a certain few guys use it and no one else can use it I like an even playing field right okay so if they allow everyone to use steroids will it be bad in baseball yes well, that's you may as well play a video game at home. If it's not your true talent, then right. a lot of people use it, which I will support to a certain extent. Only for to get to get healthy. That's to get healthy faster. Because, but the, the, the flip side of that coin is you're getting paid no matter what. Yeah. So why, why rush? Why not, why not hurt your body in the long run? Barry Bonds won't be able to walk in five years. But this is because of all the steroids he oh, took. it's doing for his organs and everything yeah. else. Yeah, and, yeah. I, and I don't agree. Well, that, that was my question. I don't agree with the steroids because of what it do to your body. That's right. a health issue. Right. But I, I've always thought if you were already the, one of the best in the world at what you do, you don't need steroids. And a lot of mm-hmm. that steroid uh, uses come under pressure. They have the image to keep. They have pressure to keep. And when I say image, I'm thinking of Tiger Woods. Mm-hmm. But they have pressure. They get this big contract, and they feel obligated to uphold it. Well, like you said, Alex, you're going to get this money anyway if you're playing baseball or basketball. It's guaranteed to you. So take time to get healed up before you start using steroids. And the only way I, I even will accept the use of steroids if you land in a hospital bed and you need steroids to survive or get healthy, get your body back, but it's not your everyday right. regimen to, to go out and do a certain thing. Yeah, yeah but... <coughs> go ahead, sorry. I uh, apologize. We keep going farther and farther away from the raw, pure talent of what sport is supposed to be and, you know, playing the sport, not making it a political game, not making it a, how many more drugs can I pump into my body. You know, if you want to go out and pump yourself up by working and doing what you're supposed to do, pump your mind up by doing the strength conditioning there, I'm all for that. Let's put behavior to behavior, body to body, mind to mind, and see what the talent is like out there rather than, you know, can I shoot something in me that's going to make me better than somebody else. Yeah. Well, well, we're talking steroids, Alex, and I don't know, um, what about... The ban of marijuana. Marijuana doesn't make you bigger or stronger. What I don't know. It's something to hide behind. Well, it's also illegal. So, so if it's illegal in the real world, why would not be legal in baseball? It doesn't make any sense. Right, but I'm I'm saying is it doesn't give you any up, no any any advantage in baseball in in any sport. What they say it makes you focus. I don't know how you can focus when you got a hundred mile baseball thrown at you at at a three feet range or a two feet range. 
Um, the reality is drugs, drinking, smoking, any of those things, what they do is they start to numb you out so you yeah. don't have to feel as much. Right. If you're going to ban it, just ban it all. And, and like yeah. Alex said, if you're going to ban it in the real world, then you can't use it in your professional world, athletically. I don't know, but your professional world, you may be a weed tester. But you can't, you can't use it. <laughs> I like and, this and it, leaf better than that yeah, leaf. Well, yeah. There are some people like that. You know, you have wine connoisseurs. That's true. You, there's certain levels you got to take. <laughs> You gotta test to be a wine connoisseur. You gotta, you gotta go to, you gotta be able to smell a wine and say exactly what it is and where it's from. Focus, quality. I, never, I, never, I, never, I never thought we'd get from steroids to talking about. We're talking about drugs, prohibition, alcohol. We're talking about drugs. No, okay, hey, so, we're so, all addicts. Our reality is, we're all addicts. To what? Of something. Of something. Because we're all chemically, we're all driven by the chemicals in our body that our mind creates based on our thoughts, based on our feelings. We are all addicts. Eight 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 three four six now. Go ahead. Well, no, I'm just saying we, we are though. It's the reality. This yeah. is like the simple thing is golf. No, uh, with, with steroids, really fast. The like if you if you take them when you're younger, like because a lot of college athletes will take them to get there, to get that contract, you know, to get that money. Idiots. And well, you say you get your money the only every way you can. No, right? no, no, I don't. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. I said but, but this I'm is a their fan way of you getting your money. Right, but this is their way to do it. I'm not saying you condone it. Mm. I'm saying this is their way to do it. It they think to get them over the edge. And if you start taking them and you stop, that's when your body shuts down. Look at Alex Rodriguez. Look at Barry Bonds. Look at all these big guys that are hurt for a great part of a season because they stop using steroids because their body's catching up with them. I, I, say, I still say the best way to get your money, well, it's tough because you got a lot of unknown parts that can play into you not getting your money, mm -hmm. like a stupid owner or a stupid uh, mm -hmm. accountant. Sure. A, a lot of these people go into uh, professional teams knowing nothing about that, that sport, they just doing numbers, but they are doing their job. All right. they do is numbers trying to save the company money, but you don't go into the locker room and hear the passion. The best way to get your money is to work hard at Absolutely. your craft, uh, have a passion for it, have a desire. You can't have all the, any of those without hope. So you got to be able to do those things and, and just keep going forward. If, if, if that's what you want to do, no one can tell you this is not for you. This right. is not what you're going to be able to do. Because you're not going to allow it to happen. Because at that point, with the passion, and desire, and the hope and the will to to get it done, you already got tunnel vision. You yeah, already know. People, no, there's people, nothing inside. Right, of and it goes back to that belief. People do what they believe is going to work, whether it's true or not. Right. So if that's, that's their belief that, that it's going to exactly, absolutely, if it's going to take steroids, because that's the only way that I can do it, and mm -hmm. that's their belief, that's what they're going to do not, until somebody proves them different. And not a lot of people will want to work that hard. So if, if you can shoot something or take a pill and you can and you can you know, double your double your stats, a lot of people well, are like absolutely let's do it. Especially if you're like 26, 27 in Triple A and you want to get your shot, that's, a lot of people do it. Instant gratification. Or you can do some imagination exercises and some mental growth and well, some mental strength to, uh, and emotional conditioning, and you can believe and know and understand that you can do it, and you can do it that way too. I agree. Well, and we'll it's still a, a chemical. Break. Let's take a quick break and get back to that. We do have Clancy Corner coming up. Kwame Lassie Sport, Alex Clancy, and Deborah Debris in the studio. We'll be back in the near future. Deborah. Not a boy. Near future. Near future. I got that. <laughs> Good job, dude. <laughs> you only can get to a certain level. You got to take a out. <laughs> Your internet flagship station for sports. Sports. Kevin Lewis has been a student of the game his entire life. 
from Little League to the NFL. Tune in Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on Voice America Sports. Hustling with K. Lewis. It's not where you start, it's how you finish. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. He'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Uh, welcome back to the Film Live Sports Talk. We are live in the studio. We are in. Are we in uh, Tempe now? We we've been in Tempe. This, this, is, not this is not Phoenix. This is not Phoenix. We're in a vortex. <laughs> yeah, which I like. I yes. like to be somewhere where you can't find me. You can't get to me. <laughs> but you know what? We do have a Voice American Live Ustream link, uh, www.ustream.tv backslash channel backslash live dash phoenix dash studio. You can check us out live right now while we're doing the show, and we got Clancy Corner on, so you don't want to miss that. That is absolutely correct. Um, well, being a homegrown Laker fan, as both you know, I tried to look at kind of the big picture before actually going to David Stern's house and throwing dead skunk carcasses in it because of what he's doing to quote-unquote regain dominance of the league he now oversees. Well, okay, so let's start with CB3 of the Lakers. Chris Paul was about two inches away from getting traded to the Lakers. Uh, what happened? Well, let's start with uh, which who would each team have gotten first. Pau Gasol would have gone to the Rockets. Chris Paul would have come to the Lakers. Luis Scola, Kevin Martin, Goran Dragic and a first-round pick would have gone to the Hornets. That was vetoed because, you know, Dan Gilbert, the owner of the Cavs, was unhappy because he lost his superstar, so nobody else can be happy, obviously. And after the resubmittal, it was Powell to the Rockets, Chris Paul to the Lakers, as before, and then Luis Scola, Kevin Martin, Goran Dragic, and Lamar Odom to New Orleans. Why the hell didn't this work? It's not like the, the collective bargaining agreement that had just been ratified was being, was being put into question with big market teams getting all this talent with nothing in return. The Hornets got a starting five out of this deal. The Lakers got one player, gave up two-thirds of their starting front court, and it still wasn't good enough. Unfortunately, the league owns the Hornets. So that's where the problem starts. That's the foundation of the problem because every owner and the commissioner has a say in the trade. And the second reason that this didn't go through is because I think that the league wanted to prevent Dwight Howard and Chris Paul from both going to the Lakers and starting another big three in another big market. To me, um, this feels like a fantasy basketball league with high school friends. You have two guys that want to make a trade. One person is going to get what he needs. The other person gets what he needs, and their best friend of 10 years says, no, this isn't fair because I'm not getting anything. You guys can't do it. Dan Gilbert wrote, writes a letter to David Stern after the first trade and says, this is unfair. This is unfair whining, pretty much. He's like, LeBron's gone, so now I really want to make sure that nobody else gets a huge trade out of, out of this whole mix, this whole rigmarole of stuff that's going on before the season starts. Now, to David Stern's defense... In essence, 
Chris Paul going to the Lakers would would question the new collective bargaining agreement that sends superstars to big market cities. But as I said before, New Orleans was getting so many pieces back that it really shouldn't have mattered. And I don't know what is going on, but it seems as of now, especially after the Clippers couldn't get Chris Paul, even though they're still in the works, that no big players will ever be able to go anywhere except for the place they're drafted. Do you think, um, uh, David Stern, you know, you know, everybody, whomever's in charge, do you think that person has too much power? Because when I saw that he vetoed the trade, and, and I'll get to the Lakers um, in, the, in a second, with the Lakers wanting Chris Paul and Dwight Howard, but with David Stern having too much power, and he owning, the, well, the NBA owning the lead of the uh, shot, uh, what is it, the Hornets, New Orleans Hornets, New Orleans Hornets um, do you think that played a huge part into it that he wants control and he didn't want any more superstars like uh, superstars getting together and making an unfailed advantage in the whole league? Because there's only going to be 15 teams that's going to be able to compete. Like you got the guys down in Miami, you got the uh, Boston Celtics. They're trying to do the same in New York. I think they're one of a piece of the puzzle away. And maybe Chris Paul was that guy if he can get down into New York. But there's also, they lost, I think they're about to lose Chauncey Bullets maybe yeah, to the got, Clippers. Yep. But they need one more guy. You got a starting mind. You got uh, you Carmelo. got Carmelo Anthony. There has to be a big three, but it's going only going to be fifteen teams in the league uh, able to compete. Now, with the Lakers wanting to get CP3 and Dwight Howard, I, I didn't really think they need both. I felt if they kept Odom or not even Odom, but uh, Powell Gasol, Andrew Bynum, and get a guard because that'll take the place for what uh, Fisher was doing. Mm-hmm. They will have a dominant team because you still have the best player in four quarters in a basketball game in Kobe Bryant. I think David Stern just got not so much too much power, but he just using his power in the wrong way. I mean, I, there are report after report after report saying that owners didn't force his hand into this, and this was David Stern's decision. I call BS all day on that. Dan Gilbert is an outspoken owner, so he obviously his letter was was broadcasted and everything. But I'm sure every owner was in his face that has nothing that, that said no. Why we just did this collective bargaining agreement? This is going against everything we just we just voted for, and and obviously now it's it's a cluster because because now nobody knows what to do. Can we get this trade? Usually trades were money. If both teams were happy, boom, it, it, it's supposed to happen. But you know they have the um well. CP3, Chris Paul will be up next year, mm-hmm. and there's nothing there's nothing anyone can do about it. And I think the uh, New Orleans Hornets wanted to do the trade with the Los Angeles Lakers. Dwight Howard will be up next year. He's so up and down on where he want to be, he's uh, borderline crazy. He might need to go to your website. Your I think you should. <laughs> but, Send him an email. But he's, he's up and down, and he had a meeting with his owner, and all of a sudden he want to stay because I think they got – uh, they just brought in another guy who was a uh, pretty good. Who was with the Celtics? What was it, Big Baby? I think yeah, it was Glenn Davis. Glenn Davis. They brought that guy in, which would have helped out tremendously because it it'll add another big man to the lineup where you take a little bit of pressure off uh, Dwight Howard. Uh, but he's up and down where he wanted to go. I just think they don't want that super conference, not conference, but super team like the Miami Heat has. And I, I don't know what his vested interest is. I mean, you can, from the outside looking in, you could say. He wants to control everything, David Stern. He wants that power. He wants to let everyone know he ha- he is the guy. 
I don't know what his best interest is in and not allowing that to go through because next year they can go anywhere they want to. Right, and I know I just heard Lamar Odom uh, giving an interview on the way in uh, into here, and he was shocked. I mean, he sounded really just sad, upset, almost in grief, you know, for what was going on. Um, you know, obviously saying some of the right things, you know, glad to be in Dallas, looking forward to it and all that. But you can tell he's hurt. And I'm sure there's a lot of other guys in that same position that they've been with the team. Um, you know, they, they create the, the battlefield that they play with their players and they know who's got their back. And now all of a sudden some of the guys are up and gone. Others wanted to be gone. Owners had agreed to the trade. And then all of a sudden, you know, the, the, plug is pulled and nobody knows who's on first. I yeah. think uh, Lamar Odom, I don't know, he's, um, I think he came out as the winner in this thing. I mean, you want to stay in L.A. because he has his reality show and he has, he wants to be more marketable. I think there's a lot of things he want to do on the media side to compete with Kobe and you're mm-hmm. not going to be able to do that. Uh, but I thought he won. I thought Dallas won when they got Lamar Odom. Mm-hmm. To be perfectly honest, in my opinion, I thought Jason Terry was the uh, best six man in the league last year. Crazy. I thought he You're was the nuts. best six man. You're nuts. But then um, Lamar Odom goes to Dallas, uh, goes to Dallas where Jason Terry is. Jason Terry could probably be the starter now. He don't have to come off the bench. And he still and he still will have potentially the best six man from one of those guys. Well, it's going to be really interesting too when we start you know start balling in a couple of weeks and these guys are being traded all over the place. They've got to move their families, move themselves, yeah. try to learn. We're back to the NFL type of thing. We're trying to learn new plays, learn new systems. Um, it's going to be really interesting the first few games. When you no. played as long as they have, Alex, they. Um, I think more so as it becomes the terminology. When you're a veteran guy, you've been in the league five more year, five years, and, and uh, fortunate enough to be on the same team, that one team for five years. Uh, the players are don't the players are not that not hard. That difficult. Yeah, because right. you you got a you got an idea because you've been going against these guys, so you know what they're running offensively and right. defensively. So uh, and and it pertains to where you are on the court as an opponent. Mm-hmm. But it, I don't think the terminology is one thing. You just got to mm-hmm. get a hold of, get a grasp of, uh, mm-hmm. and it makes that transition. The yeah, that transition yeah. is much easier. A lot of it has to do with there's a lot more one-on-one aspects uh, in the NBA, obviously, than football, and, and it makes makes the learning process a little better. You just have to get you just have to get the camaraderie on the court with with your new team, and and then things should be fine. With Lamar, I think, you know, this is one step one of at least two if not three for the Lakers they wouldn't give up Lamar for nine million dollars and nothing right and you know, I this get is, anything and another thing that is in the Lakers favor if I can speak favoritively here is that for any or for any team that wants Dwight Howard or Chris Paul is that the collective bargaining agreement comes into effect January 1st 2012 but any time before that if a, if a, a player is traded and wants to sign an extension he can make up to a hundred million dollars on that extension January 1st at 12.01 a.m., that drops from $100 million to $74 million. So $26 million is, is, up, is up in the air if you don't get traded before the collective bargaining agreement comes into effect. I'll tell you this. All of this is, is really, it really is based on money because a lot of, a lot of athletes, uh, it's not so much that I want to win the national basketball. I want to win the, the ring this year. I want to be the best team. They want to secure their future, and that happens all the time. We can see it right now with Deshaun Jackson. Be professional and what you and go about your business like Matt Forte is doing. Chicago Bears say they still want to pay this guy because he was professional through the whole way. It was right. nothing he did. He played his position and did his job right. exactly how they wanted him to do, exactly how he wanted to do, and went about his business. And Deshaun dresses out, put on his football mm-hmm. equipment, his gear, his Just suit, shows up. and shows up yeah. and, and and jogs on a football field. 
Anytime you jog on a football field, you should be banned two games, in my opinion. You should mm-hmm. not be allowed to jog on a football field because there's no room for that. That's a position where if you're not thinking about football, you're going to get hurt. If, if you if you caught mm-hmm. slipping, you're going to get hurt. And why put yourself in that situation or the other ten guys on the field that's trying to win football games, trying to get it to the end zone? Now, I say it's about money because I know when I was with the Cardinals, it was about uh, well, it was more so about loyalty too. So I don't know if that's the White Howard situation. I, I remember getting in the media just, you know, losing my mind saying, "This is my last game in Sun Devil Stadium" because they were bringing in guys. Isn't, and that, isn't that where your voice changed? The other show we were I'm on. I'm more at peace with it now. I've, I've been on the website. <laughs> I'm more at peace. I've been around you long enough. Oh, good. But these guys, uh, and I, I didn't have a problem with it. I thought it was that was my job anyway. Yeah, Help the right. guys to come in defensively, uh, but they were paying guys with all these. Uh, nonsense DUIs coming in. They came in with some baggage. I, I won't right. say names. I won't say what they did. They came in with a lot of baggage, uh, unnecessary luggage. Um, and, but there was guys already on that team that you should have taken care of, um, and it just messed up the camaraderie, the chemistry of what we want. We trying to do as a team. So I'm like, okay, we we they franchise me. I'm trying to get. We trying to work out a deal. If you franchise somebody, you want to work out a deal. But you see that doesn't work because Carlos Dansby got franchised twice with the Arizona Cardinals. Now he's in Miami balling. Mm. That's a guy you should have kept. Even though they have Washington, Daryl Washington over there who's balling for the Arizona Cardinals. Still, look at the linebacker core you could have had or would have had. Right. It, it's just it's just it's crazy. And, and a lot of this basketball stuff comes down to twenty six million dollars that you may lose December first. Mm. And I mean, another reason I think that, sorry, going back to what we were talking about with, with Lamar was that he is emotionally, um, I don't want to say unstable, but, but, no, 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 but here's the thing. Is Emotions Powell, are powerful in this. They, they brought, they brought Powell back, they brought Powell back because Powell is a great complimentary player. He's not going to lead a team, and he knows, I think he knows that. See, coming with Kobe, he's a lot more comfortable in the second man role. Lamar Odom has been the talk of trades. Ever since he came into the league, from the Clippers to Miami to the Lakers, he's always been the trade bait. He came here when they traded for Shaq, so I guess he's used to it, which may make it worse and worse every time he gets traded. At least he got traded to the Lakers, with which eventually won a couple championships with him. Getting traded to Dallas, when you when what you said, Deb is right, is it's a great situation, but it doesn't mean it makes it any easier to to have you know. His wife in L.A. and he he made a life for himself with with the with the several years. His wife don't care about him. <laughs> that's another off-air. That's another off-air conversation. We can talk about this publicity. We can talk about we can talk about wine and Chloe Kardashian <laughs> off the air. Okay, yeah, let's talk. Now let's talk. The thing about her. too, anybody, anytime anybody gets traded, um, there's the culture in the uh, in the locker room and on the court or on the field, but there's also what's happening at home. And no matter what's happening at home, what your feelings are, it all ends up on the court anyway. And to make a move, you've got new circumstances. Everything is different. You're trying to find a home. You might have kids that you need to try to get in school, and it's all a bit of an upheaval until you can get shifted in and get settled in so that you can go back to being your competitive best. Uh, we're going to take a break, and, and you're, you're right, because there's, there's a lot of stuff coming in when you got to mm. go back and forth, but you know, some guys just keep their place where they where they're comfortable, where they, where right. they want to finish their career out. This Cormac Sports Talk, we're gonna we'll come back with uh, Down and Dirty with Deborah. That was Clancy Corner. We just got done with good stuff. Call in eight 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 three four six nine one four four if you want to be a part of the show. Win an Energy Force band. Flagship station for sports. 
America Sports. Spin It with Chuck Foreman has a spin on so much that's going on. It will be hard to fit it all into the promo. We'll talk about the weekend games, what to look forward to, hot topics in the news. Spin It Old School, which gives a back-in-the-day approach from Chuck. A no-spin zone where Chuck gives an unbiased opinion and lets you do the same. Chuck will be taking us around town and around the world with news, happenings, and more. It's football, news, and happenings. Tune in for Spin It with Chuck Foreman, Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. If you want to talk about the East Coast sports scene, particularly from the Southeast, make sure you tune in to the Jeff Owen Show every Tuesday. Yeah, we'll talk about some of the other teams and news that's out there, but host Jeff Owens and co-host Tasha Humphrey know the inside and out of the Georgia College sports world, and they were born there, raised there, and still live the scene. We'll talk about every sport imaginable. Tune in on Tuesday at 7 p.m. East Coast time, 4 p.m. in the West, on the Voice America Sports Channel. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's a tough shot. Got it with 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. I'm, I'm dealing with it. I'm confused now. Welcome back to Chrome Live Sports Hall. We're going down and dirty with Devil. But Alex might be crazy, y'all. It's just, you are not your mind. We're going to see if we can work that out during this segment here. So we're, we're going to try. <laughs> We're going to talk about uh, having an unshakable foundation, which is that inner strength conditioning that takes you above and beyond what anybody else out there might be doing. Now, why it matters, the benefits of it, is because it's the missing elephant. Elephant. It's the missing. It's, it is the elephant in the room. Yeah, the big elephant in the room. <laughs> <laughs> it's the missing element. It's uh, it's what can take a highly talented elite athlete and move them into even a higher level, like a Michael Jordan or a Tiger Woods when he was actually out there doing his thing. It can take a good player and have them excel past a more talented player, which is a Tebow type thing. So as an elite performance expert, one of the things that I've designed is this Tame and Train Your Beast, which is to create an unshakable foundation. It creates the clear edge that helps you move better, faster, and have better results than anybody else out there, no matter what. I can't say no matter what, but it's at a similar talent level. Like we've talked before, when you get up into the pros, it's not about talent anymore because everybody out there is talented. It's really what are you able to do with that talent. Some of the key elements of an unshakable foundation is you've got to know I'm not talking about you got to think or believe or hope that you can get it done. You've got to know that no matter what, it's going to work out. You've got to stay unattached to the outcome so that it, you're unaffected by out, outside circumstances. No matter what happened on the last play, what's in the newspaper, who's saying what, you're unaffected by it. You've got to be an observer. You don't start judging yourself. You don't start making up a bunch of excuses. You just look at what just happened, and then you adjust accordingly. You always stay in motion because when you're in motion, you have the opportunity to adjust and make changes rather than sit there and analyzing it and um, never really get anything done. And one of the key elements which so many people miss is the fact that you've got to acknowledge and praise. Acknowledge exactly and specifically what was it that you did that was really great and then make sure that you keep doing that over and over again. 
There is no magic wand. Mental and emotional conditioning is strength conditioning, just like you do with your body. You don't go in the day before a game and say, can you pump me up? I need to be strong. It's the same thing with your mental and emotional conditioning. You've got to have simple, repeatable routines that you can practice as you're practicing so that during a game situation, it's automatic. It just happens. The good thing about what's happening, you look at a Tebow type thing, and it's a very spiritual type unshakable foundation. The exact same thing can happen based on science. Science is proving out spirituality, whether it's the neurosciences, the quantum physics, everything that's out there, including saying we can change our DNA simply by our belief systems. So the techniques are the same, the methods are the same, and for those of you out there that are in business, my business clients use the exact same techniques that my athletes do, because it's all about the mind and emotions. One quick thing I want to bring up is how do you recognize it? One thing when you have an unshakable foundation, the drama goes away and the excitement goes up. You have something that builds and expands and spreads because it's unseen. It's an energy. It makes you magnetic. People want to be around you. People get better because they are around you. Sometimes it can be mistaken for an innocence or a lack of sophistication or almost childlike which is what some people have said about Tebow in the beginning. But it can also be considered great wisdom. You know, you take a Michael Jordan, highly talented, but he went to the next level because he had this unshakable foundation that he knew even in a game when he was off, he didn't stop shooting. He kept shooting more so he could adjust because he knew without a doubt that he was going to get better. He was going to get better and it was going to happen because he made it happen. There's no need for bragging. You just accept the praise. Uh, let me ask you a question about the uh, that higher the higher level. Like Michael Jordan can go to a higher level, and he has he's a shooter anyway. He's a mm-hmm. scorer, um, so he can miss twenty five shots in a game, and that twenty six shots going going in. That's because of the confidence. That's because me- mentally, right? Mentally, he's doing. But yeah. uh, I see um, when you when you talk about a higher level, and you mentioned Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, and Tebow. I see Tebow being able to go to a higher level. Uh, because of where he is now and where, what everyone is saying about him and what they're saying he's doing on the team sport. And Michael Jordan, I think when I when you talk about a higher level and Michael Jordan and Tiger Woods, Jordan-wise, a higher level is getting four other guys to be, and I'm not saying the average guys because you don't get into the right. to that level and be average, but you, you're not Michael Jordan, you're not Magic Johnson, you're not those guys. I think Alex mentioned two weeks ago on the show or last week. You're not those superstars, um, but you're you're in your role, and you you get he Michael Jordan got those guys to play at another level, yep. and that meant to, that took him to a higher level because of what he's able to do absolutely for his team. Absolutely, and, you look at the Bulls and what they mm-hmm. pulled off, and and you know Michael Jordan wasn't always a team player. No, it was all about all. me until yeah. he learned to be a team player, and then at that point, because he had the confidence in himself, and when he practiced, he practiced the basics so that he knew exactly and specifically, just like a martial arts, mm-hmm. you know what to do so automatically that when you're under pressure, that your mind your mind is allowed to become very creative. So when three guys were hanging on him, he could be very, very creative. Right. And it did help to excel the other players on the team because they became more creative and, and they started to have their own unshakable foundation within themselves and then within the team as well. And, and I, I believe that to be true because one guy, you're just playing basketball against that guy. Yeah, good uh, luck two, with that. Yeah, two guys on you, you got a chance to rethink some things. Three right. guys, your whole creativity will come in. Right. Now I'm now I trust these other guys. But what and in the Tiger Woods situation, 
Uh, you, he's always changing his swing, and everyone wants, why does this guy keep changing his swing when he's winning? Because he's searching for that higher level. That, that once he gets to it, and I don't think... I don't think he ever think he would ever get to a higher level. It's just the consistency of where he wanted to play golf where right. no one can touch him. Right. You get to you get to a point where when you have that unshakable foundation, you always look at, well, if I can do that, what else can I do? Yeah. Well, if I can do that, That's what else statement. can I do? That's a true statement. So when, you, when Tiger was at his best and you looked at, you know, he would come from behind and then start to pull ahead in a tournament and get to that, you know, that last day and that last nine holes. He didn't back off when he was several strokes ahead. He was looking at, well, how much better can I do? You know, it's not. It wasn't just about winning. It was about his own perfection within himself about getting better. Yeah, but don't right. you think a lot of that has to do with just preparation? Like Tiger was an elite athlete because he prepared and studied more than anybody. Yeah, Jordan. Jordan was in the gym first, out the door last. How much of it do, does it really have to do with uh, mental? And not so much being an elite physical athlete in your craft. And yeah. you also have great athletes that come out of college that have been at their very, very top level, and they end up in the headlines because of being great disappointments because they don't know how to take that talent and utilize it because they start second-guessing themselves because the expectations are so much higher, the pressure is so much higher, they're in different circumstances. So the talent that they had starts to disintegrate. It didn't go away because it's all still there, but they start to second-guess themselves and can no longer use it because the nerves have kicked in and the talent's kicked out. Yeah, I mean, I also, th- I mean, I agree. I think that the Unshakable Foundation would need to come in with, like, say, at Greg Oden, for example. Say he didn't get injured. He's bigger than everybody in college basketball. Kevin Durant was seven inches taller than anybody guarding him in that position. He comes in, everybody's the same height, and you saw uh, Greg Oden disappear even when he was healthy and Kevin Durant flourish. So I think, I, I think you're right, though. The Unshakable Foundation really comes into play when you when you jump to that level and then it has to happen again when you become a veteran like it has to when you actually get put in those positions it's at every single level you can talk you know high school players you know and they start building their unshakable foundation right now it make, it's going to make them better in college you know, if they don't pick it up until college, it's going to make them better when they get to the pros. And in the pros, it's going to take them and excel them to an even higher level than what they're already at. And, and that's along the lines, and it's two things. Along the lines of what we were talking about, a lot of athletes build their body and build their preparation up. And they go out there and practice. They try to practice as long as anyone. Um, you know, when I... You, you want to be out there and say, well, i got to stay an extra hour because I think my opponent is staying an hour longer than I am. Right. So you put that in your mind and you get better. But you don't want to get to the point where you out there and you just tired, dead tired, where you mm-hmm. can't do no more. Now you, you're hitting bad shots, and now mentally those shots in your mind. But high school, professional guys are doing exactly what they did in high school. You got that unshakable boundary. And if you took steroids in high school to go to college, if you took steroids in college to go to the pros, mm-hmm. You're going to do it in the pros. Because right, that's what you believe to, yeah. that you need. Because and, and yeah. you mentioned earlier in, in the uh, Down and Dirty, in the, in the segment, you mentioned that um, a lot of these guys, you just can't go into a day before the game and say, uh, give me something to make me stronger. Give me something to make me right. faster. A lot of guys really, I've seen it. A lot of guys believe they can take something before the game right. and make them better. Yeah, or good give luck them, with that. Or give them some more energy. Right. So when their energy run out, then what are they going to do? Well, plus Preparation I've, comes into a play with that. you got to prepare, but mentally you got to be able to uh, have a have something to go back to when it's in the crunch time and like absolutely. Jordan be able to create. Well, look at, uh, let's take an example, a more recent example. Look at the kicker for Dallas. I mean, <laughs> what a great example. Um, can he make those, those kicks last week, this week? Yeah, he can make the kick. He showed it. He did it. Right. But then the mental and emotional aspect kicked in, and he missed it the second time. Didn't, didn't lose any of his talent. 
but he lost his mental and emotional conditioning strength. The same thing with Tiger. What's going on with him right now? The same thing with any good player. The talent doesn't go away. You can practice all day long, and so many times there's guys that do really, really well in practice, and then you get them on the field and they start to fall apart because they don't have that unshakable foundation. And that was one of the things you mentioned also. Uh, you talk about these guys when you get to the professional level uh, let's say you were the best in college when you get to that level from high school when you get to the professional level from college it's not so much that you can't do the job this, the separation comes when when everybody's just as good, a, good as you are mm-hmm. now what are you going to do in the moment when it presents itself that's, that, right. that's going to make a play that you've done all the time don't get mm-hmm. to the pro and say oh my goodness I'm in a different it's the same situation right. you was in in college it goes back. it's just on a higher level no I agree I mean, it is, and that's that. That's when the mental really comes in. I mean, it's right. like say. I mean, even say, but you got, but you have these outliers. Like, I mean, Reggie Bush jumps to mind every time with football. He blew the roof off everything in college football. Mm-hmm. But you have to think, he had the best offensive lineman, he had the best quarterback, he had stud wide receivers, and then he comes to the NFL. He is tiny. I saw him get leveled by a linebacker, just go parallel to the ground in the second or third game. But like, how do you? I mean, and now. After a few years in the league, he's finally started to learn his Coming niche. Coming to his own. Yeah, and he's not playing like college Reggie. He's playing like NFL Reggie. Right. I'll tell you, at running back, you have to count on too many components. You have to count on the offensive line. You have to count on your receivers blocking. There's positions on the football field where it's all up to you. At running back, you got to count on too much. As a safety, I don't have to count on anything. I just line everybody up and play play the position where I'm supposed to be. I don't have to count on somebody blocking something for me. I, I say if I'm down in the box, if I'm a safety and I'm coming down in the box, I got to count on that defensive end mm-hmm. to stay outside so it could create a gap for me or go inside and I play outside. But as a running back, Every play, blocking schemes, uh, who he has to block, when he can release, what side of the quarterback he has to protect, comes into play. But then we also go back to, I totally get what you're saying, and I agree with what you're saying. And we also go back to the fact, no matter what position you are in the field, when you have your own unshakable foundation, it starts to create that energy and that aura around you that everybody else starts to get better, which means the other players around you, when they know and trust that you can do what you can do, they start doing what they do better, especially if they can build their their own unshakable mental and emotional conditioning strength. Okay, we're going to take a break. I know Alex got a lot on his mind. He want to say something. We, 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 we'll get to two hours eventually, Alex. Yeah. Hey, we, you can uh, check us out live on Ustream. That's uh, www.ustream.tv backslash channel backslash live dash phoenix dash studio. They're going to shorten that up for us. <laughs> can, I, yeah, can I have another piece of paper so yeah, I can write that down? Pumrod <laughs> Sports Talk with Alex Clancy and Deborah Debris at the studio. We'll be back in the near future. 60 seconds. Internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. 
Lockdown Coverage. Get ready to talk sports with the big guys. Tune in to Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis every Tuesday for the inside and outside of the business of sports. Keith and his guests will provide expert commentary and answer all of your burning questions about your favorite team, the players, and what's next. It's time to have fun with the game. Listen for Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis and his favorite co-hosts every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The talk doesn't get any hotter. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Yeah, that's not safety boys, but that's down. That's a class of uh, Cabernet. Thank God. Welcome back to the Quantum Live Sports Talk. Alex Clancy, Deborah Debris in the studio. You know what? We got a lot to talk about. We want to talk about the coaches. So let me drive by with the coaches. And then I want to talk about those briefly, real quickly, those idiots, uh, Cincinnati and Xavier. And then we'll try to get some Tebow because I think he got a man crush on Tebow. I won't say who he is. <laughs> it's just me and Deborah in the studio with Alex. Hey, coaching fires. Ty Hilly is gone. They was trying to get rid of this guy last year after he won the West. I don't think they should have uh, fired this guy, give him one more chance. If you want to build a team, you give a coach three to four years. Okay, this is his third year, but he loses his all-pro running back, all-pro safety. Uh, a lot of, a and lot starting of, quarterback. And, start, and starting quarterback. Good, good, Good ad. But starting quarterback, you lose those things and you expect him to win some football games. Now, everybody has injuries. Okay, look at Indy. Indy should be firing Caldwell. Caldwell comes from a, a, a different clone. But you know, to make an escape go out of the situation who I think they are 0-13 right now, he fires his defensive coordinator. You should have been drafting guys when you was allowing, keeping uh, Peyton Manning there. You should have been drafting guys on that defense. Tony Sperano has gone out of Miami. Uh, Starting 0-7, they were talking about getting rid of him. He's lucky to be going this far right now. Just got fired yesterday. Uh, starting 0-7, he wins four of the last six or seven games. That's room for spire, firing. The next coach I believe to go is Steve uh, Spagnolia out in the Rams. It's a lot of situation where he didn't have Steven Jackson to running back. He doesn't have he doesn't he didn't have his uh, quarterback Sam Bradford. Sam Bradford definitely didn't have anybody to throw to, so they tried to bring in Brandon Lord out of Denver mm-hmm. late in the season. Steven Jackson, Sam Bradford rarely played together this year. Uh, I don't know if you get that coach. Uh, and we were talking off the air. I don't know if you get that coach another year, but everybody wants instant success right now because you see Cam Newton, Andy Dalton, those guys mm-hmm. coming out. Cam Newton could be a better quarterback than he is right now if the offensive coordinator was a, was somewhat of a – had any sense of it, if he was watching a football game that he's so-called calling and coaching, Cam Newton shouldn't have to pass the ball that much with William, D'Angelo Williams and Jonathan Stewart up there in situations when you have the lead. Every game this year, he had a chance to win, a legitimate chance to win. Uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, these coaches, maybe Andy Reid, he gets another year because of all the components that came in. With the defense, uh, Osamore, DRC, Babins come in. You br- you bring uh you let Kevin Cobb go. Uh, you bring in the backup quarterback Vince Young. The worst part of that situation is you make the offensive line coach the defensive coordinator. So as an owner, I'm telling Andy, you have another year, but you better find a defensive coordinator. Forget about that friend situation you have, that good old boy system. You can keep him on the team, move him back to what he's best at, bring somebody who's better at scheming defenses. Now, Xavier and Cincinnati thought the most idiotic situation in sports right now. Now, you watch the Army-Navy game, you don't see any of that stuff. You watch those military schools play, you don't see nothing in any of those craziness. Why in a game like this do you have to 
you have to have a brawl over a situation with a foul or whatever the case yeah. may be. We got disrespected. It's like, well, grow freaking up, you know? And then they turned around, and after that kind of a brawl, who handed these guys a microphone and gave them a platform to talk? To talk. You know, I mean, how ridiculous is that? You've got students who are athletes who are on scholarships being paid by other people, and they're allowing this type of thing to happen. It should have been slowed up and stopped throughout the game rather than letting it accelerate to this point. It was so ridiculous. Yeah, and the kids, I mean... The fault is not anywhere but in, in the minds of those kids. I mean, that, that's what they are. They're kids. They're kids that they're getting that are getting scholarships to play. Xavier especially, they're number eight in the country. So you suspend these guys. You lose. Say you lose four out of the next six games. Not not to take away from what's going on, but it's, there's a big picture. If I was the coach, kick him off the team. Just I, kick I, him off the team. I will kick him off the team. I, kick him out of school. Get get him out. Get I, him I out. will too because you, you got a great opportunity. You're going to college and you're doing a sport you love with a chance to be successful at it to the number eight team in the country. Cincinnati, they play basketball over there. They're pretty good. But when you do th- when you do things like that, you just lost your opportunity. You just lost your scholarship. You also got to look at the coach because I used to think, well, they just kids. At what point are you not yeah. a kid anymore? When you go to the pros, you're 21. You're still a kid. You, you're an adult right. kid. You. You're still doing some silly things, and we make excuses. Well, he's 21. Where are the people around him? And now we're talking about the collegiate level and basketball. Okay, let me let me go to the coach. Well, you knew what you was recruiting mm-hmm. because if I was a coach, I'm going in the inner city and I'm getting me some guys mm-hmm. who can play basketball mm-hmm. with an attitude. That's yeah. going. That's going. Yeah. And I'm gonna build mill chemistry around it. However you like how I said it or or what I mean by that. That's exactly what I'm doing because I'm winning basketball games. I'm getting some guys that can play basketball. I'm not getting that Indiana, uh, French Lick uh, mm-hmm. basketball school. I'm not going to get those guys who just uh, pass the ball five or six times. I'm getting some guys who can break somebody down, score, and we're gonna play defense because I'm predicated on stopping you from scoring by playing defense. But I want some scores and I want an attitude. Yeah, I want an attitude, but I don't want idiots. On attitude my team. without anger. You, you know, you can have it. You can have an attitude, and you can take guys down without taking them down. There's no physically. such thing as what. If you're gonna get, if you're gonna get attitude players that don't play together, you're gonna get these things happening. No, no, it would no. If they don't, play, if they don't happen. play together. But if you got a coach, well, okay, where do, where does the coach come in? We got about four, three and a half minutes. But where does the coach have? He, you know what you're recruiting. You tell these guys, here are your. Yeah, you know what you're recruiting. You, that doesn't mean you should get them if if they're exactly. That's what, exactly what I'm gonna get. Because if you you got options, choices, decisions, and you got consequences, you got everything you want. You got to come to school, get an education, possibly make some money down the road, build some lifelong friends. Uh, you said as a coach, I'm sitting in your your living room talking to you, you about your kid. I'm promising you all these things, right. but I'm gonna tell you at the same time. If your kid does something like they did in Cincinnati, he's going to lose his scholarship. That's right. I don't have to win that bad. Let mama take care then of him. He's going to come down to me, and yeah. I'm going to lose a job. Now yeah. he's out. Somebody else will pick him up. Mm-hmm. He'll have to sit out a year. Somebody else will pick him up. But then when it's time for him to go pro, if he's still mm-hmm. that talented enough to go pro, team's going to hold back on him. That's then he's right. going to be a second round. Now he's not going to have the opportunity to be a starter. There's a lot of second rounders that, yep. that play there. But you gonna draft the guys you draft in the first round are the ones to get most of the reps and get a legitimate chance to be a starter and prove that they can play yeah, yeah, we're talking about we're talking about right now where they're. I mean, the future. Look at Legarrette Blount. He punched out a Boise State guy, and he's starting for an NFL franchise right now. Right. He so is. it's not it's not it's not about the NFL thing. I mean, if it happens like this, 
like like it did with Cincinnati. This they're worried about their lives now, getting kicked out of school, not being able to play basketball. <laughs> Granted, yes, if they can't play college basketball anymore, then there won't be an NBA. Well, look, Derek Blunt, and what he lost, he did what he did. He lost his mind in anger and in, yeah, in emotions in the moment. Yeah, hit the guy. Same thing. I said when I saw it, I said he should never play again. Okay, he comes back. And the final two games of Oregon's game and possibly in the, in the bowl game. Okay, LeBron, LeGarrette Blunt was a second round draft pick who didn't get drafted. He goes in free agent, so he goes to, he still had a chance. And I said that same thing a second ago about the, the guy, if you're talented enough, you're off my team, but if you're talented enough to go pro, mm-hmm. you just lessen your chance to be a starter. You just gotta fall into the right situation now when you already had the right situation, a high chance at the right situation. By doing what you do, came to do, play basketball and go to school. Yeah. Or go to school and play basketball, however you want well, to That whole comment about, well, we showed them. It's like, well, who did you really show? You showed, you showed that, that, you that you're an, Yeah, exactly. You showed that you're an idiot. You showed that you know the other teams that might look at you don't want you anymore because they don't want to have that on their hands and the liability and all the energy that's wasted now on these both of these teams trying to get things straightened out. Who wants to even play against them right now? And when they do, what's the crowd going to be right. like? And what are really, they going to be like? And you really feel bad for the kids that weren't involved that, Exactly, because exactly. they lost. They lost a chance at a. At a There's that stigma, right? You know. Okay, real quick, we got a minute. The Robert yeah. Griffin third was he's the Heisman. He's the he won a Heisman. Was he the Heisman winner? No. And why? The reason it? why is because a week before the actual Heisman Trophy presentation, uh-huh. before a week before Robert Griffin played his last game, Andrew Luck was in first, Trent Richardson was in second, and Robert Griffin was in third. Uh-huh. Robert Griffin played the last week. Neither of the last two guys, the other two guys, did. So he bumps up the ratings, which I think is okay. a joke. I think it's well, a joke. Like the, I think like it's a joke. I think again. it's a joke that the Ohio State can sit out for a month while teams play like the SEC and Pac-12, Pac-10. Well, they can do well, they can do that, and uh, Ohio State fresh, he'll get heel bodies and win football games, win bowl games. Robert Griffin was the best athlete, best player in, in NCAA football this year. Three lost team. Three lost team. Three lost. I don't care. Three lost, lost team. If he lost four, three lost team. He broke records as a quarterback. The only team Andrew Luck lost to was he was Cam was, New- was Oregon, who was number two, uh, number either. With all that, four, pro, with all that, that with all that publicity Andrew Luck has, he can show up for a big game. I just like for his what? Socks. Oregon, Oregon. I just like his socks. I just Robert like him uh, <laughs> where he is, second, third. Yeah, look at the Robert best, Griffin wins. Best NFL player out of those three, either Andrew Luck or Trent Richardson. How you know? They didn't even play the game yet. In the NFL? Yes. I'm I, I'm predicting. You predicting that show opinion? Trent Richardson <laughs> predictions. That, see you another guru. Hey, Kwamla, check out Clancy Corner. He gonna he gonna be on Facebook. But uh, yourclearedge.com. Uh, Deborah Debris. You can go to the fan page. Uh, this is Kwamla Sports Talk. We'll see you guys next week. Tebow. Thanks for tuning in this week. Come back next Tuesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, for another edition of Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network.